Welcome to episode 11 of the Wave Table, everyone. Uh, I can't believe it's almost been three months for the podcast already. It just feels like yesterday that I started it. Um, and I'm glad that you're all coming on this journey with me and kind of trying to discover some new music. Um, and yeah, I'm just really excited to have Scribe on today. So yeah, hello, Hi. Scribe. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, how are you? I'm great, thanks. I've been, yeah, I've just been really well lately, just like focused on the uh, music production and the podcast and, you know, just all that good stuff. So, um, what have you been up to, dude? Oh, you know, with, with the whole COVID-19 thing going on at the minute and stage four lockdowns, there's not really much you can do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just lots of production, kind yeah. of taking the opportunity to just do as much as you can. Yeah. Is really really good, but it get, 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 gets a bit boring. But you know. <laughs> but um, speaking of doing, I'm as assuming much, it's the same on your end as well. Hey. Yeah, I mean, it gets a bit yeah. boring, but I feel like um, like as soon as COVID kind of started, I'd recently finished uni, so I didn't have that much time to do like just hobby stuff while I was at uni, and I'm glad that like I've just kind of extended that discipline that i learned in uni to just go balls to the wall on music production stuff yeah yeah um it's interesting yeah but yeah speaking of going balls to the wall uh <laughs> you started this like 30 day challenge thing right yeah um so you've you've done it as well and hamish way back in I don't remember what episode it was, but a little while ago now, he did it as well. And basically, it's a it's a thing that I learned about where you take, you, you give yourself a month or like 30 days and you make a new idea or a new track every day for those 30 days. Um, it's interesting because the idea of it is that you keep writing ideas and you, you keep going through these processes. And the idea is that as you go on, you get more and more like sick of doing the same thing. Yeah. You start doing weirder and weirder stuff, which is supposed to give out really interesting ideas. And then at the end, you finish the ideas that you like. Um, I learned this from an artist named Crywolf. Mm. He's really cool. Um, I did an official remix for him a little while ago. And... We had a, like a Skype call or like a Zoom call. It was really interesting just, you know, being able to talk about processes and things. And that's where I learned it from. And that's how he usually writes his like albums and things. He'll do the 30 days and an idea can be as much as like humming into your phone for five seconds or making half a track. Um, yeah, it's really interesting just going through it. And even the smallest ideas can have like the greatest potential, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, so it was supposed to be a lot more of us, but um, Hamish and I, and eventually yourself, we um, we did the 30 tracks in 30 days and it's actually been really interesting. Um, I kind of want to finish like 25 of the 30. Though. <laughs> Same, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, how do you how do you find it, dude? Uh, honestly, like I'm in the same boat. Like when I first heard um, Lovecraftian Horrors by Code P, I was like so inspired by the fact that he had such a huge body of work um, that all like good quality and a similar sound. And I think that doing a 30 day challenge like this, it kind of gives you the bones for doing something like that because towards the end, you do want to get experimental but really just producing that much in the same time frame a lot of the stuff you'll do is quite similar but you learn to mm. really refine it like at a to a yeah. very high level it kind of solidifies the the sound that you've got you yeah. are kind of you kind of find yourself going back to specific things which is really interesting from a compositional standpoint because you know that's all part of like building a signature sound and like becoming your own like unique producer. Um, if you have your own like identity within 
like a day's work for 30 days. It's really interesting just to see how that just plays out, I guess. And um, how how did you go about finding your signature sound, like the whole cinematic thing? Um, it was a lot of work. So I've been producing for seven years about, which has been good. Um, I've enjoyed it and I've written a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, a lot of it was just a mixture of things that I liked. So I liked dubstep. I liked melodic dubstep. I liked trap. I liked film music. I liked, you know, all the crazy sound design from like films like Transformers and Godzilla and stuff like that. And just all that stuff kind of meshed together was, um, kind of what I wanted to go for uh, was definitely really interesting trying to force more of the cinematic kind of idea in there. Um, but I used to, well, I, I did study music at uni and so a lot of the compositional stuff um, really interested me and that's where a lot of right. film music and stuff appealed to me a lot um, because they have just a particular expression and like movement that a lot of electronic music doesn't have. Yeah. And so I kind of wanted to mix both of those things together, um, which I feel like I'm doing all right, but I feel my, I find myself as I go on moving myself more and more and more towards like cinematic type stuff and orchestral music, which is really, really interesting because it used to be very Seven Lions-esque melodic dubstep and now it's a whole a whole load of stuff just mangled together. <laughs> um, that's kind of what building your sound is. You know, you're always making music with influences. Um, you know, take Space Prince, for example, last uh, episode, I think it was 10. You know, he loves Skrillex. That's like, that's goals for him. Um, and, you know, there's been so many times where he's like tried to take influence from Skrillex and like, you know, take influence from the people that he really, really likes. And, you know, um, talking about that, um, when he spoke about that Infect track, that he really, really liked Rumble. Yeah. And he wanted to kind of like recreate that, you know, that's all influenced from something and that's all going to help him build his own kind of sound and his own identity, I guess, which is really interesting. Um, but that's kind of how I've come about it. Yeah. Just people you love mangle them together that's basically you <laughs> um yeah i really like the the whole uh incorporating cinematic vibes and stuff because in my opinion when a whole track is like entirely synthesized it's like kind of gets old um it's really nice to have some organic instruments in there and i guess um you're a trumpet player right yeah, yeah, so being a trumpet player, that's like a really dynamic, expressive <laughs> instrument. So I guess the whole yeah. organic elements thing kind of came more naturally to you than it might to other producers. A little bit, a little bit, yeah. Uh, I feel like having the whole understanding of just composition and stuff like that, like studying it at school was really important as well. Um, it kind of just opened my eyes a bit more because a lot, a lot of people really – you know, a lot of people that do music don't have that kind of training. Yeah. Um, and I guess the whole influence of having, you know, having to study and like analyze that kind of music really kind of opens your eyes to how you can implement that stuff elsewhere or in your own stuff. Um, and film music and just orchestral music really appealed to me, I guess. Um, yeah. it's. It's fun. I, I, I enjoy it a bit. <laughs> Have you ever been... But, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go on. No, go on. <laughs> Have you ever been approached um, to have your music in any films or anything? Because I think it would fit pretty well. Um, n not as of... A uh, couple of, like, ads, like, advertisements and stuff. A um, couple of... I've had a couple of commission works for, like, books like audiobooks oh sick which has been interesting um i've made a couple of nero and like tron inspired tracks oh dope <laughs> for a for a book 
which is really interesting because, you know, the last thing you'd think about having music for is a book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that was really interesting. It was really cool. Um, yeah, it kind of makes you, you think about, particularly in like that book kind of sense, like how the music's going to work in an audio book setting. Yeah. You know, you've just got this dude just like reading for a while being like, you know, Andy did this, blah, 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 blah. And then like at the end, it's just, he wanted like some dubstep or like, you know, epic cinematic music. And it's just, you know, goes from soft words to blah. <laughs> <laughs> did they give you like a preview of the parts of the book that you were scoring or was it the other way around? No. So they kind of told me the story of the book and I, can't really go into it, but they told me the story of the book and they were like, this is how it's going to work. It's based in the future. Um, it's eerily similar to the whole like COVID-19 thing going down at the minute, except okay. the book's been written for a while now. <laughs> um, and they were just like, yeah, we need some stuff that's kind of futuristic, but not super heavy. So like okay. Nero was cool and like Tron was cool. So, you know, do something like that. Sick. Um, so it was pretty much like full creative freedom apart from that. It was nice. Um, did that commission yeah. work come to you through your Sound Better profile? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, it's been kind of slow because of the whole COVID-19 thing. Um, a lot of jobs were coming through and then people would just start cancelling. So like, no, nah, COVID-19 is coming. And yeah. We, uh, we can't do this. <laughs> it's like, yep, yeah, no, that's fine. Um, I understand. I would be the same, um, but, you know, it's good having having worked with people. The kind of jobs you get there are kind of very broad. Yeah, um, just I like work with general, all, a lot of different people. All aspects yeah. of audio stuff, right? Yeah. So, I mean, there are lots of people who you can literally find pretty well any kind of music, like, job on there uh, of any kind of style. So, um I would argue that I'm one of the only dubstepy people on there um, and mixing, you know, electronic and cinematic music together was kind of my selling point. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that's appealed to a few people and that's why a lot of people have come to me. They've been like, Hey, you know, saw this, this is really cool. Heard your stuff. It's really cool. I totally understand what you're going for. Let's work together. And it's been like, yeah, cool. So I've worked with a dude who's written books. I've remixed like, tracks for rappers i've i'm working with a heavy metal band at the minute <laughs> on like a heavy metal electronic kind of like rhythm meld which has been Holy really shit. really interesting um and just the kind of people that you get are so all over the joint it's really cool it kind of helps with a lot of learning as well so i'm learning a lot of you know so for example for the heavy metal rhythm track um there's a lot of a lot of the sound design that I do is based around the sounds of um, like or orchestra and like cinematic music. So a lot of my synthetic stuff is built around that. Um, but it was weird having to kind of build everything around a totally different timbre and style. Yeah. So it, it just involved a lot more, a lot of different processing and a lot of different just editing and wavetables and stuff like that using serum and whatever which is really cool it's really interesting trying to incorporate metal into electronic music um because i i've been trying to do it for a while and when i first started it was just like okay here's a metal song and here's a dubstep song and it just kind of like switches between the two Whereas, like, yeah, <laughs> you kind of have to learn cases, to mix yeah. metal in a dubstep way. You can't just mix it the traditional way. Yeah. Yeah. It's in a lot of cases, it's almost easier just doing from like heavy metal one time, like from the start, and then go to like a build, just and then dubstep, and then heavy metal, and then a build, and then dubstep. Uh, the hard bit is definitely putting them together. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with like drums, for example. So, you know, heavy metal usually uses like acoustic drums of some sort. And then you've got dubstep with these really like punchy and big, like overly processed digital drums. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting kind of like, um, 
melding of stuff, just, you know, just pushing it together and hoping it sticks. Uh, but it's a fun experience and it's definitely a really good way to learn stuff. Yeah. I feel like because you want to, you want to fit like a, you want to get to, you want to, what's the word? Um, you want to send off everything at a particular standard because you get like rated and stuff. So people rate you out of five and then they, you know, in the, in a comment, they tell you like what you did that was good or bad. Um, and everyone can see that everyone who's looking at you can, can see that. So that's really interesting. Um, so you want to get it at like a really nice standard. Otherwise, you know, they could give you four stars <laughs> instead of five. And that's the thing. <laughs> Don't give your uh, Uber drivers bad ratings, people. <laughs> <laughs> if they're bad, you give them four. If they're good, you give them five. Yeah. <laughs> Only when they, you know, rob you at knife point or whatever, <laughs> do you give them a one star. <laughs> oh, man. So, dude. Um. I want to give you a fucking huge congrats on releasing on Never Say Die, man. Like with, with uh, Jewel. Thank you, man. Thank That's you, fucking yeah. insane, bro. <laughs> um, it's a funny story how that came up, actually. Oh, yeah? Tell um, us about it. So, um, it's, it's, so, it's kind of changed my philosophy on the whole, like, collabing with artists kind of thing. I was at a 21st or a 22nd birthday party with all the boys and all the music people and we were just getting absolutely like slaughtered. Um, <laughs> and I remember just just on a whim, just drunk messaging Jewel. <laughs> and, I, and I said, what I would do to collab with you. Oh, my God. <laughs> and um, he, you know. I just said that and I was like, oh my God, that was so embarrassing. Why did I say that? And he sent back, yeah, man, send me some stuff. Like, let me hear what you've got. And I sent him all my heavy stuff and he was like, yeah, dude, let's collab. And I don't know, it was just kind of one of those things where, you know, everyone's, everyone's kind of human, I guess. You know, they, they read those things and a lot of the time they're just like, yeah, man, send me stuff. You know, it, there's, they're a lot less scary than they actually yeah. look, look to be, you know. They're a lot less intimidating than you would think. Um, and yeah, that was, that was how it started. And that was probably the best way to like start a collab like that as well. Uh, Just because like I was, you know, I've always, I was always talking about wanting to collab with him because I really like his stuff. His style is really cool. Um, Cause he adds a lot of, you know, his kind of culture and like where he's from within his music. So he's Egyptian. You get a lot of like Egyptian vibes from quite a lot of his music. Um, and so it was really cool just, you know, being able to meld both of our styles together. Um, but yeah, I was always saying that I wanted to collab with him and then just drunk messaging him on a whim. <laughs> it's just one of those things where like the worst someone can say is no. Yeah. But even then you might as well ask if you feel like you're good enough. Uh, because the following is arguably less important. True. <laughs> I feel like if I sent that, I feel like if I sent that message, and he was, he would have been the same, you know, where he is now or where he will be in, you know, a year, two years. Um, I think, um, yeah. Like while while you said it was embarrassing, I think it's actually entirely appropriate because, like, it's kind <laughs> of, it's kind of on that level where you're like talking at a friend level whereas a lot of people will be like hey hey jewel um um here's a here's a private soundcloud link would you like to collab on this track with me please you know like yeah yeah (laughs) um so that comes off as really like you know people always think let's be professional about it and stuff like that but you know they're just like you're you're me you know they're they're not they're not they're not you know that far off that far, like five or reach from you, you know, you literally just message them and they can see it. So instead of being, you know, super, Hey, I really like your stuff. Please, please like listen <laughs> to this and maybe we can collab on it. Just be like, Oi, what's going on, mate? Ego. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> and at listen the end of the day, life. like the people that are at a professional level in this industry, it's not like the people that are on LinkedIn. So 
regardless of how, how big someone is, you don't want to go up to them with like a business plan or something and be like, yo, I think this yeah. would be really good for your uh, engagement. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. I mean, I guess there was like, you know, with everything, because music's a business, there's always going to be some kind of business incentive. You know, there's always going to be the thought of, you know, where's this track going to go? Yeah. Um, will clubbing with this person be useful to a degree but you know at the at the top of it there's always you know does this track that this guy sent me sound cool yeah exactly um it's why i always tell people that you know ask to collab or whenever i mention collabs it's always like you know <laughs> if you send me something cool i'll work on it um you know if if you're if you're big and you send me something really bad, I'm not going to collab with you on it because then it's, you know, it's still bad. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, um, do you have like a manager or anything? No. I all, think, all self, self done. Yeah. I think like the main time that this changes is once managers kind of come into play. Cause, um, I've heard this story about like Mr. Bill and someone else and virtual riot collabing. Mm. And like, obviously virtual riot fucking loved the tune. He, you know, went through the process of collaborating on it, but then his manager wouldn't let Mr. Bill and the other guy put virtual rights name on it for the release. Oh, yeah. Why not? I don't, um, I think the line was literally like, I'm paraphrasing, but, it literally was pretty much um, you can't collab with people that are lower than you or something like that. So, yeah, that was, like, pretty disgusting. <laughs> Man, that's... Uh... Yeah, fucking weird one, but, um, you know. Oh, that's <laughs> so, like... Oh, you wouldn't want to release it after that. Yeah, I think like, Mr. Bill was pretty disheartened. Yeah, and Mr. Bill's, like, huge in his own right. Yeah. That just doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would argue that Mr. Bill and Virtual Riot, to a degree, are, like, on the same wavelength. Yeah, I think the manager was probably early, only seeing the numbers or something. Probably, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mr. Bill's reputation is nuts. Oh, like. bro. <laughs> yeah. He always talks about, like, how revealing his secrets was perhaps a bad idea because it allows people to sound similar to him. But at the same time, the fact that he put out all those videos is, like, what made him such a god, like, among all the producers, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, I can't say I've heard anyone do it as good as him. Yeah, no way. No way. Yeah. He's, yeah. There's, you know, there's starting something and then there's being just, you know, the best at it. And he's kind of both. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, Yeah, he's good. So what was the collab process like with Jewel? Because I'm assuming you didn't sit Uh, down in the same room. (laughs) No, uh, it's pretty funny, actually. So English is Jewel's second language. Um. So there was a lot of kind of language barriers, which had its ups and downs, I must admit. <laughs> um, it was really interesting being like, hey, man, here's the idea that I've got. So I sent him like three ideas before we started. So the first idea I sent it to him and, you know, I think he was, you know, a lot of, when a lot of people collab or when, you know, when I try and, when I get collabs from people and stuff, I'm not into it. I'll be like, hey, man, this is, you know, kind of nice, but it's not really me, blah, blah, blah. I'll kind of not beat around the bush, but I'll, you know, I'll say no kind of lightly. Yeah. Um, Jules' kind of language barrier kind of makes it a bit hard for him to just go into detail like that. So, he went, no, I don't like it. And then he would send a cat pic. I could send just some like distorted cat picture. What? <laughs> and, and and it's like, oh, okay. You, hear, you read, I don't like it, and you get disheartened a bit. Then you see the cat picture, and you're like, all right. 
that's weird. <laughs> and then you go, okay, I'm going to go back to the drawing board. I'll send you something else later. And he went, okay, another cat pick. <laughs> just, I don't know. I feel like it's to kind of just keep that positivity there. Yeah. That's, that's my thought. Or he's just some filthy meme guy. Um, I mean, either or really at this point, but yeah, it was really interesting just like sending him stuff and then having him respond with like four or five words and then a cat picture. (laughs) That's amazing. And it was probably my first like real collab. Like I'd done collaborative stuff with a few people before, but this was probably like my, my main, like first main, like collaborative project that was like an original yeah that you know i kind of needed to i I had that thought that i needed to kind of perform at a particular level because i was you know collaborating with someone that i really looked up to it's just weird because it was it was really streamlined as well so the second i sent him an idea that he liked he was like yes send this to me and so i sent the stems and then he would send me his, then he would do his bit, send me the stems, and then I would do my bit, send him the stems, and we would just like go back and forth. There was no real discussion about the track. Okay, that's interesting. Um, and I know that with people that I've collabed at the minute, I've kind of tried to make it that I don't have things to discuss. I'll just send them stuff. So I'm doing a collab with Drea, and when he sent me his stems, he sent me a huge paragraph of stuff. He was just like, I've done the, I've done X, Y, Z. I didn't even read it. I just downloaded it <laughs> and just started working. Um, I, I don't know. It kind of, I feel like it makes you look at it differently. If you read what they've, if they say, I've done this. Yeah. You know, the most, I, the most I said to Hamish, the first time I sent him the stems was, this is what I've got. The bits that are empty fill out. And there you go. <laughs> I guess um, um, it's kind of like how when you ask for feedback, obviously whilst music is subjective, the most objective you can get is to have fresh ears. Um, and then when you explain what you've changed to someone, it kind of justifies things and like makes yeah. it less fresh to them. So yeah. maybe they lose a bit of that objectiveness. So yeah, I guess not reading like changes and stuff really helps you to pair it for what it is just on the first listen. And yeah, yeah. that's what I do. Uh, I'll I'll listen to it and then I'll make my changes. Yeah. Just it's, you know, you could, you could, you could go, Hey, you know, I've heard all this stuff or I've seen you changes, like change this, this, and this, but there's just something about it being able to like take those things yourself and just, make the changes yourself or the fixes however you want. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's an easier way to work around things for me. Yeah. Because uh, then it's just, it's telling the person, hey, fix X, Y, Z, and then waiting a couple of days for them to fix that. And then you get the stems again and then there might be more things you want them to fix when you could just be like, all right, cool. Let's just get to work. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's what made, that's what made Jules thing really interesting because you know, we kind of just went through it. I did like the for the intro first, like breakdown and build up. And then he did the first drop and the second build up. And then I did the second drop. And then I did part of the second breakdown and, then, and the second build up. But he did uh, a part of the second breakdown and build up as well. And then I did the third drop. And it was just really interesting because we barely changed anything that we had done uh, we kind of just took things and if we made changes there were little kind of like flavor bits yeah you know it was just to spice things up a tiny bit um so in the first breakdown i had like a melody going through and he made little edits to like give little bits like trills sick um which is really interesting um just little little tiny things like that you know otherwise if you make too many changes, the identity of the other artist kind of disappears as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm kind of, it's like a happy middle ground. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the collabs I've started have kind of failed because um, people will get up, get caught up, like changing the small things. And it's like, 
mm-hmm. like I'll add something and then the other guy's like, oh, okay, I like this, but it's not exactly how I would do it. So I'm just going to delete it and replace it with the way I would do it instead. Yep. <laughs> it's like, as soon as yeah. you do that, I'm just like, dude, I don't want to work on this track anymore. You're just deleting my shit. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. It's, if you start making changes to the other person's thing, like too much, if you just listen to it and it sounds fine, like don't, don't make changes. I would only make changes if it's terrible. You know, and it doesn't doesn't make the track sound good, or it just you know lessens the whole overall quality. If you can make like tiny edits to make it better, then yeah, sure. But usually, just leave it as is. Yeah, just because you know that's their identity being like laid out on that track, and you're just taking it and replacing <laughs> it with your own thing. Um, yeah, it ruins the point of a collaboration. You might as well work by yourself. I find that like the most that I'll do to other people's sounds is just kind of post-processing stuff. Yeah, um, same. I don't really like to mess with the actual bass sound design at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that just laying out the structure of the track really fast in a collab is a good way to get it started. So mm. kind of the way that you guys did it was just like doing a section or two, sending it off and then yep. repeating. Um, yeah, we didn't exactly think of, so when we made the track, there was no intention of having like a heavy track or a light track. It was just, you know, I'd send an idea that Jewel eventually liked. And it was like, okay, cool. And then he worked on it and then I worked on it. There was no real discussion of what we wanted in the track or like what we wanted the track to turn out to be. Yeah. Um, and it just happened to be like a heavy dubstep track. And that was really cool but if we'd thought about it too much we wouldn't we probably wouldn't have gotten there yeah um going back to the drea collab you know when we first hung out to work on that track we had like full intention of making it sound a specific way we wanted it to you know work a specific way and it just it crashed and burned it just didn't work um and then we just went, all right, let's just go into it with no intention whatsoever, just writing shit for the sake of writing shit. And yeah, it, it, it's come along really well at the minute, which is really good. Um, I feel like having less plans allows each artist, particularly if they're quite varied, to just write what works. Yeah. I think yeah. Uh, I definitely agree with that. Every time I've went into a collab with a plan, like, this is just going to be like the hardest fucking hitting dubstep tune that exists. It's just like, it's failed like instantly. Um, Cause like people yeah. just see that, like it's kind of that thing where you, you need to spend a certain amount of time to get a product to a certain level, but people aren't seeing what it could be. They're only seeing what it is currently. I think it comes down to normal life as well. Yeah. So, you know, with just like writing on your own, if you just with every everything like that, if you kind of have a plan of like what you want to write, personally, if I have a plan of what, what I want to write, it just doesn't work. So I'm, you know, I'm releasing different stuff left, right and center. It's easier for me to just write stuff that kind of fits within my sound from like a cinematic electronic standpoint than it is to work within a genre. Yeah. Um, and I find that that should be the way that everyone looks at it. Because it would make so much more varied music, which is really cool. Just having, you know, having an artist that you love. I mean, Virtual Riot's a great example. Just, it's music that you love. It's Virtual Riot, but it's in so many different styles. Yeah. You know, he's done like complex Complextro, dubstep trap future bass and you you know it's him those are like oh man you've you've just kind of made me realize something dude like (laughs) i've always um i felt restricted to making like or not restricted i felt like i should make just one genre um whereas i like to make a lot of different stuff and now that you bring up the virtual riot example, I'm just really realizing that like 
most of my all-time favorite artists just have such a huge variety in the genres that mm. they create. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sick. It's it makes it it makes it a lot more fun over time as well. So things like writer's block, for example, come a lot less often mm. when you're just producing for the sake of producing. Um, so it's really interesting kind of making those tunes and then just, you know, putting them in a stockpile and then releasing them in particular, in like a particular way. So, I mean, like I have a bunch of future bass and like heavy dubstep and stuff. You know, I could release, I could release that all together and it would just be a weird like mangled lot of stuff. But you know how Virtual Riot does it? He does like a future bass EP or like a dubstep EP or like a, yeah. you know, classic kind of Virtual Riot sounding EP. Um, stuff like that, which is really cool. Uh, but it also helps with, as I was saying, writer's block in the sense of you could be writing heavy dubstep tunes and then it just won't work. Then you go, okay, well, I'm going to write something else. And then you just vibe future bass for the, for some reason. And so you start writing future bass and then you'll finish a track and then you'll go back to like another future bass track and it doesn't work. And then you're like, all right, I'll do some house. And then you work on some house and it just, it's a, productivity thing as well as it is a oh yeah just a writing because you like it kind of thing it like when it helps a lot i very often i get like ear fatigue just from listening to all the distorted screechy bases and shit um yep. so yeah i absolutely agree with it being a productivity thing because you can either a stop producing when you get that ear fatigue or B, produce something that's more mellow and friendly to your ears. Yeah. It's, yeah. Even just, you know, just producing for the sake of producing. Like, it, it, you know, you don't even have to be writing a tune. You could just be doing sound design or, mm. you know, make a website or, you know, yeah. do Music stuff that helps your brand, stuff, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've just been enjoying the production at the minute. So I just keep producing, especially in a kind of state of just, I mean, the way the world is at the minute with all these lockdowns and things. And it is really interesting, you know, being able to sit down for hours on hours on hours <laughs> and just produce, which is arguably the longest and hardest part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I heard that um, Virtual Riot actually, actually does some generative like relaxing music but i haven't checked it out yet but um like garage and stuff he does a lot of which is interesting yeah i think he has like a, a different alias though as well like oh, i have no idea be cool if he did but i'm um, trying to remember i couldn't tell you if anyone wants to know he definitely says it on his ask disciple most recent episode i just can't remember oh, off the top of my okay. head <laughs> so I wanted to talk about your Barely li Alive remix as well because yeah. I thought that that was like, I really welcomed the fresh take on that because obviously Wampum is a fucking like staple. But <laughs> <laughs> um, you really like brought it to 2020 levels of production and sound design. Yeah. Would you like to just kind of take us through the process of making that and highlight some of your favorite things that you changed or added to that track. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the Wampum remix is kind of another funny story. Um, Vital mode. He does a lot of like melodic dubstep and like color bass and stuff. And I went over to him and I went, Hey, I went over to him on discord. Cause you can't really see people, but I went over to him and went, Hey, you should do a melodic rhythm remix of Wampum. And he went, yeah, okay. And then he didn't do it. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> not, and so I was like, all right, stuff him. I'm going to do it myself. And here we are. So it was, yeah, it, yeah, it was kind of funny. But the whole idea was, because I've had this idea for a while, just kind of taking really, really heavy tunes and then making them a lot more melodic, but still giving that like heavy vibe. Yeah. Because you, you know a lot of, What's it called? Like a lot of like heavy tracks and a lot of melodic tracks. They're very, 
different to each other. One's kind of lush, where the other one's kind of just like distorted and heavy. Yeah. Um, the idea with this one was to kind of meld both of them together. You know, I like the idea of having some really high energy kind of melodic stuff. Um, cause it, if it, if it keeps the same energy as like the heavy dubstep, it arguably could sit in the same space as melodic stuff and sit in the same space as heavy stuff. So there's kind of that in a mix, it works a bit more universally. Um, which I feel like I did a decent, pretty decent job at. Um, and a lot of it was really interesting. Just uh, the main sound, uh, you know, that rising just like womp yeah. was, uh, was that with a resonator on it. So I literally just resampled the sound and put a resonator on it. Um, and with the Ableton resonator, you can pick specific notes for it to resonate at. So you just put it at like a really interesting or intricate chord and then play it through the resonator and it plays it in a really like kind of melodic and interesting kind of sound. Yeah. Um, which was interesting because I'd never done that before and I heard someone yelling about it a little while ago. <laughs> um, and so I did it and it worked really well. And the whole like knowing music theory and stuff like that really allowed me to kind of experiment with that sound a bit more just because you pick like a root note for the resonator and then you pick how many semitones each other resonate like resonance is at. So you can't really, you can't pick the notes. You have to pick one and then like how many semitones each thing is like each other resonant frequency is, which is kind of, silly you should just be able to have notes for each reson like resonant frequency but you know whatever um you just you pick the intervals for them and then get a really nice and interesting intricate chord put it through and it a lot of what it does is it keeps a lot of the aggressiveness of the original sound yeah but it just makes it a bit more i don't know appealing is not the right word just, I don't know. It's a different vibe, I guess. It definitely made it more 2020. <laughs> yeah, it definitely fits with the whole 2020 kind of vibe, which is really cool because that stuff's becoming quite a lot more popular yeah. at the minute. Uh, it was a fun little experiment. It was good being able to, you know, fiddle with fiddle with that a bit. And that was one of my 30, 30 days tracks as well. Oh, really? God damn. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, just. Being able to kind of, because the first drop was kind of intended of being, you know, reminiscent of the original Wampum and the second drop was kind of just to try and flex my production muscles a bit, (laughs) Um, which was, you know, because it's a remix comp, you got to try and appeal to a bunch of people above everyone else, which, you know, it's, it's a competitive, it's almost like a, you could almost make like an e-sport out of it, <laughs> which would be interesting. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I thought of the vibe and I just went with it. Um, there was no real plan when I was making it. So I can, I can talk about it now and be like, this is what my intention is looking at it. Yeah. Now. <laughs> um, but when I went into it, I was like, this will be a cool idea. And I just did it. You just reminded um, me of how many assessments I did and then I wrote like the pre-assessment thing after doing the assessment. <laughs> yeah. I remember at uni because we used to, we had to do a lot of like music writing assignments and there was always the write about the assessment, you know, write about your process. It was like everyone usually wants to say, oh, I did this because it sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, that should be a good enough reason. But they went, no, nah, you have to be more detailed than that. It's like, okay, I chose this because, and you waffle on for a bit. And yeah, it sounds cool. And that, you know, you could take that back to Wampum. Like, that's literally the reason why I did it because I thought it would sound cool. And it did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, experimentation at its finest. Um, yeah, it's fun, you know. Yeah, I really re- push those boundaries. I really reckon you did a solid one on that track because, yeah, it's just like it. Yeah. 
got a new life, really. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, there's heaps. There's quite a few good ones out there. Like, you know, and all of them are really different styles, which is really interesting as well. So, it'll be interesting to see who wins. Mm. Yeah. I'm yeah. wondering when that information will become available because, <laughs> like, how long is... <laughs> How long are they going to have to spend sifting through all the remixes? I don't know. <laughs> basically, every basically everyone that listens to Disciple is a producer themselves. Yeah, to a degree. <laughs> so I mean, you know, oh, who was saying that? Someone was saying that Eliminates One had over five hundred submissions Jesus or something like that. Christ, something stupid like that. And it's like, you know, and then every other track probably has. At least half of that. Yeah. And so it's just every artist looking through that many remixes and they've all got their own things to do and they've, yeah. you know, they're all very busy. Like, I'm just interested in seeing how the winners get picked out because I'm, I'm not really talking about mine, but with the other ones, like with the other remix tracks, you can see kind of definitive winners. Right. But in a lot of, remix comp scenarios they pick the one that they think is just going to perform the best yeah you know which can be a bit not yes. cool yeah um you know because i've definitely been in my fair share of remix remix comps and they've picked a winner because it's like a commercial track or because that person has 200,000 list like monthly listeners on spotify or something like that yeah so it's you know if you're picking a, business, a remix, they're running a business as well, so you know, like if you're picking a remix yeah. winner just because they've already got reach, then instead just pick the actual best remix and then sign the person that has reach. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I've I've thought about it, and like it makes sense either way. You know, you could you could use your own push to release a really good remix, or you could use your own push plus the push of someone else who has a lot of numbers to just push it as well yeah. and you know as a business you know you're making money from this or you know the idea is to a degree trying to make money from this you know so they're gonna they're gonna pick with a few things in mind which I think will be interesting it'll be interesting mm. to see kind of where everything set like sits yeah yeah I definitely would not like to be in that position because it may be easy to say stuff from this standpoint, but um, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that I'm sure I'm not aware of. Yeah, I'm sure they've got a lot on their plate. Good on them for getting to that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, God, man, I can't imagine the amount of attention that the the competition would have brought to oh, an yeah. already such a huge label. <laughs> yeah, it would be heaps, heaps. Um, so on the Lawrence episode, uh, yeah, I think it was like episode six or seven, we discussed mm-hmm. uh, how the masked menace of Scribe came to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd like to delve deeper and kind of just get your thoughts from that time when you were coming up with the idea of the whole mask and just all that. Mm. Okay. Um, so Lawrence did mention this bit, um, back way back when, um, this is a few years ago now, we, him, myself and a couple other mates, we started this kind of social media entrepreneurial kind of like visual audio kind of like business called, um, the eighth wonder collective. And the idea was to kind of mix a bunch of different like art forms and turn it into this one like cool like service kind of thing. So there was, you know, fashion, photography, um, design, music, a bunch of other stuff, which was which was cool. Um but that kind of went under um just because we all had our own kind of commitments to do and we all had our own kind of ambitions to follow. Um, so everything was kind of just left there and Lawrence mentioned this as well. We had kind of just, uh, 
character that was made kind of for comic relief called Cecil. And he was a dude wearing a gold gas mask. He was kind of just supposed to be some stupid kind of little character. Um, and funnily enough, I was the one that was meant to be that kind of character. And anyway, everything kind of stopped and I was DJing for a bit under Scribe because when I first started Scribe, I used to do like Melbourne Bounce and stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was, yeah, it was one of those things where it was like try and, you know, try and like get a part of that, like the Melbourne kind of cake because that's going to be the most realistic thing being in Melbourne. Um, I was talking to some guy who was running one of the nightclubs and he was like, yeah, dude, you know, your stuff's really good, but you need something that's just like, identifiable to yourself mm. like you need an identity i was like you know the music should be able to speak for itself etc cetera, etc cetera. <laughs> he was like no you need like a visual brand like an identity and i was like yeah but you know i'm kind of going for this and he was like no you need something that's like a character and i went all right cool so i just started like scrolling through my phone looking for like pictures and things and a picture of me as cecil kind of rocked up <laughs> and he went that <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? He went, do that. And I went, all right, cool. I'll do that. And yeah, that's how it started. Um, that's sick. <laughs> and the intention wasn't really to go any further with it, but playing shows in that old gas mask was terrible. <laughs> terrible. Y- you couldn't see, breathe, or hear. Um, which, funnily enough, you need all three of those to be able to perform well. Um, yeah, so I ended up sending a few emails and getting a custom one done, which is really cool. Uh, now I can see, breathe, here, and yeah. when I yell at people, they can hear me as well. Um, and you've got, like, yeah. multiple masks now, right? Uh, hang on. Wait, I'm going to grab it. Cool. The mask itself kind of has three designs, but it's only one mask. Oh, okay. Um, so everything is magnetic. So I can kind of just, you know, <laughs> connect things. Dude, that's fucking sick. Um, and so the idea was because I write different styles of music, you know, different like emotions and moods and things. The idea was to kind of have the mask represent that. Mm. So there was like this middle of the ground, like, you know, high energy, but not like super heavy kind of thing. Then there was like, you know, more melodic type stuff. So then there was, it fits, come on. And there was that one. Um, and then if you wanted like some really heavy stuff, you know, there was... Oh, the old teethy. <laughs> the piranha, yeah. Um, you can tell I haven't touched this in a while. There we go. There's that one. That's and fucking like, brutal. All the stuff on it is customizable. So I can, like, I can change the eyes. I can change this stuff here. All this bottom stuff comes off, which is really fun. Really interesting. Um, and so I can, you know, fiddle with stuff based on the mood a lot of the time, mm. which has some really good kind of implications, I guess. It's really cool. Uh, I don't think I've seen anyone with like a transformable mask before. It's definitely interesting. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a lot of work, but the idea of it was for maximum practicality, which I feel like I managed. How does this go on again? Do you want to give a shout out to um, the person that made it for you? Yeah. So there's a company or a dude rather um, named Smirk Masks. Uh, His stuff's really cool. And um, I've been following his stuff for a while. And I wanted his custom masks on and I thought, stuff it, I'm going to send him a message. I emailed him and there was like a nine month wait. Jesus. Like, that's how much work he had. He was like, yeah, so I can start in nine months. 
And I went, all right, cool. Yep, nine months. Cool. Um, send me an email when you're ready. And he went, yep, cool. So he sent me an email nine months later. And we started going through plans. And funnily enough, that's actually the second design that came up because the first design looked eerily like Void. Mm. Um, the mask was like in its one of its draft stages. It had like had its first mold, all this other stuff. And then Void came out with Void. Fuck. <laughs> and I emailed him and I was like, hey, we're going to have to stop this and start again. Um, because this guy who's kind of in the same realm as me has done this and it's just everything will look like way too similar. And he yep. went, yep, that's shit. Um, let's start again. <laughs> and here we are with the whole gas mask thing. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah. Um, ultimately, I feel like it was the better idea, the second design. So, you know. Yeah. You definitely came, don't want to look like a copycat. No. And it ended up being better having that that mask because yeah i feel like it just fit the overall like personality and just aesthetic of scribe and the music that i do and stuff like that which is yeah, really cool for sure yeah. like the the whole transformable thing um yeah it definitely fits with your how you release like different kinds of music mm. and then like playing different so you know playing shows and stuff uh, it means that with my brand aesthetic, nothing's too heavy or nothing's too light. Yeah. So, you know, if I have the the teeth one, they go, oh, we want like a melodic set or your opening or something like that. I can change it to a, to like the, the kind of the flat one without the gas mask. And that's like, that's meant to be like the melodic or chill out kind of variant. Um, just because I found that with the brand having like kind of a really dark brand, not not dark, so to say, but you can have like a, there's a lot of like darker kind of elements in my stuff, kind of like sad, moody type stuff. It's kind of weird having like this super like heavy kind of looking, mm. you know, style playing future bass or something. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really really good being able to just take, you know, take the heavy bit off, put the light bit on. And then it's a whole kind of new personality. Yeah. I guess, which is really cool. Really fun. Yeah. You could also just like stick a marshmallow in the mouth. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'll send you a photo one day. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Well, I don't want to keep you too long, man, because I'm, uh, you know, I'm, even though there's this whole COVID situation, I'm sure you've got shit to do. So, um, uh, yeah, I can, I can talk. That's fine. But <laughs> yeah, no, it's, yeah. It's been good talking with you actually. Been, yeah. I just wanted to fun. ask one final yeah. question. And I brought this yeah, up on the space Prince episode because, um, mm-hmm. I've seen pictures of you two playing together and yeah. you look tall as fuck, dude. Like <laughs> I just got to ask how tall are you? Uh, six, seven. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> it, it makes it makes the whole brand even more like like the whole like mask and get up even more like <laughs> creepy. Yeah. Cause just imagine this like like all all black, just like wearing this, you know, kind of gas mask thing just in like a you know like a really secluded area. Um Lawrence and I did a shoot once in an abandoned church. Oh um and just like, you know, I was holding like a big piece of wood with like nails in it and stuff. It was really interesting. Just like if you walked in there and saw that, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, what, what, you what happened? Just, like, <laughs> just say no and leave. That's, that's all there is to it. Yeah. Just, just, <laughs> just turn, turn around and go. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, definitely something interesting to add to that. Yeah. Uh, no, it was good talking to you. <laughs> yeah, man. It was a pleasure having you on after having like literally every single Melbourne boy talk about you. <laughs> yeah. It's been really humbling kind of just, it's been really like nice kind of just looking at the, or watching the episodes and then having everyone be like, scribe this, scribe that. And it's like, <laughs> oh, they think about me. That's cute. <laughs> Thanks so mm. much for listening, everyone, to Wavetable episode 11.
Uh, as always, in the show notes, there'll be a link to Scribe's SoundCloud and music, obviously, and all that good shit. Um, and don't forget to um, join the Wavetable Facebook group where you can just discuss all things music production, podcast, uh, and yeah, you'll just get notifications about when the new episodes go live. Um, so yeah, thanks so much for joining me, Scribe. It's been great. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been good.